1: Hello, and welcome to the New Books in Israel Studies podcast. I am your host, Ari Barbalat, here with my guest, Ori Yehudai. We will be discussing his new book, Leaving Zion, Jewish Emigration from Palestine and Israel after World War II. Ori, it's an honor to be with you today.
0: It's a pleasure to be here and an honor to be here as well.
1: Thank you. And uh, I should mention that Ori and I were old friends at University of Chicago together uh, when we knew each other between 2006 and 2008. So we do have a personal connection in addition to the intellectual connection surrounding this book. Um, Yeah,
0: it's a pleasure to talk to you again and uh, thank you for hosting me.
1: My pleasure. Um, So to begin, uh, please tell us about yourself.
0: So I, I I grew up in Israel, uh, in a place called uh, Kibbutz Shamil, huh. um, uh, it's in the north of Israel. For viewers who don't know, maybe I should explain that uh, kibbutz or kibbutzim were um, agricultural uh, communes um, in rural areas in, in Israel that were, were based on socialist ideas and were Uh, created by uh, Zionist uh, immigrants, uh, mostly in the first half of of the 20th century. Today, today they uh, changed uh, their way way of life, but uh, this is basically where I grew up. Um, uh, I did my uh, BA in history in Tel Aviv University, and then I uh, got my PhD um, at the University of Chicago. Since then, I, I had some temporary... Uh, temporary academic positions uh, in various places in New York, in Montreal, in Toronto, and today um, I'm an assistant professor of history uh, and the Saul schottenstein Chair of Israel Studies at the Ohio State University, and I live in uh, Columbus, Ohio.
1: Thank you for providing all of that. How did you become interested in the topic of Israeli emigration from Israel? Where did is your inspiration? for this book come from?
0: So I should say that uh, this book uh, uh, came out of a, a doctoral dissertation, a PhD dissertation that I wrote uh, in Chicago. Um, and even before starting the dissertation research, research in Chicago, I wrote a graduate paper uh, on the history of, uh, of a Zionist youth movement uh, in Palestine. And I read, uh, at one time, I read letters that the leader of the movement had sent to his friends in Poland. He he sent the letters from Palestine to Poland, uh, and he he described uh, an economic crisis in Palestine. It was during the 1920s, and he said, he wrote in those letters that many, many Jews were leaving the country uh, due to the crisis. And this sounded interesting to me because I didn't remember uh, having read a lot of uh, work on... Jewish emigration, out-migration from Palestine. Most of the uh, most of the uh, of the um, studies uh, are on immigration into the country. Uh, so I thought this was, it, this could be an interesting topic for a dissertation, and I started exploring it. Um, I, I realized that there were some works that had been written on immigration, but mostly on uh, the periods before the creation of the state of Israel before 1948, uh, and I was interested uh, in the period after the Holocaust. After the Second World War, uh, this period of the transition from the uh, from the end of the Second World War and the Holocaust to the creation of Israel, uh, the reconstruction of the Jewish world after the Holocaust, the early years of Israeli history, of Israeli Israeli independence, uh, and I thought that looking at immigration uh, perhaps will help will have to shed a new light on that period, on this very dramatic period of, of the transition from. From a genocide, from a Nazi genocide to Israeli uh, independence. So I decided to focus on this uh, period uh, of immigration from uh, 1945 until until the late uh, 1950s. Uh, Maybe another reason uh, could be more personal that I'm I'm myself uh, an immigrant uh, from Israel. So this could be sort of a a personal uh, motivation that I had uh, in pursuing this
1: topic. Wow. Do you do you see any parallels between your own personal story of emigration and the, the research that went into this book?
0: Well, there are always uh, parallels in stories of, of immigration. Uh, you know, people have to uh, relocate from one place to another to adopt to a new culture. Uh, the attitudes uh, towards the uh, or feelings or attitudes towards the, the home country sometimes are similar. But there are also major differences. I mean, my as we will see later, I hope, my study looks at uh, migrants who were uh, displaced people, uh, mostly refugees, survivors of the Holocaust, um, uh, people who had been um, displaced uh, from uh, countries in the Middle East and came to Israel. Um, and their stories were very, you know, difficult experiences of uh, economic, harsh economic conditions, uh, political pressures, uh, that were involved in their migration source. so I think uh, my, my story is quite uh, quite different even though some of the people who uh, emigrated in the period that I, period that I, that I cover in my book also had uh, maybe you know similar stories to my story uh, academic immigrants, people who uh, went to the United States, from Israel to other countries um, uh, for uh, to get um, for to get educational and economic, to obtain educational and economic opportunities uh, in similar considerations.
1: Fascinating. Um, To open up some questions pertaining to the book, um, what were the primary causes and reasons stimulating Israeli emigration in the early years of the state?
0: So we started talking a little bit about that. um, it's interesting that uh, I show, I think, in my book that the, it was mostly personal and material reasons, mostly personal, economic, material uh, considerations, uh, like uh, climate conditions. Uh, people felt that the, uh, the weather was, was too hot for them uh, in Israel. Um, people also were also concerned with health, with health problems that could not be resolved uh, in, uh, in Israel um and also an economic economic reasons as i mentioned so difficulties uh in uh in uh finding employment and housing uh, in israel um, also difficulties in learning hebrew and adopting to the new uh, to, to israeli uh, culture and israeli society uh another important reason was the uh, desire to reunite with family members who are you know, uh, living uh, uh, abroad um the focus on personal, material reasons is interesting because there there was a tension or discrepancy between the discourse on immigration, the public discourse on immigration, which which was very ideological, as I think, as I hope we will discuss later, and the uh, personal reasons of immigrants. Immigration from a national collective perspective was seen uh, as a threat to the uh, success of the Zionist uh, project uh, in Palestine uh, was seen as a danger. Uh, seemed to pose a danger to the uh, national endeavor of the, of the Jews uh, in Palestine. Um, so immigrants were criticized on ideological basis. They were criticized for abandoning uh, the state in its in in its uh, difficult uh, years, or uh, for uh, aspiring to improve their own individual lives instead of um, co- contributing to the collective uh, effort. Um, um, so the the criticism was very uh, ideological, as opposed to the experiences or the motivations of migrants, which were more personal uh, and uh, economic. Um, now, maybe I should, I should also mention that we talk about the, uh, the difficulties, the economic difficulties, or the uh, reasons that pushed people to to leave Israel. We should also uh, uh, we should also consider the uh, the conditions prevailing in the country at the time. Uh, uh, as I'm sure many of, of our viewers know, after 1948, when Israel was created, Israel was created as an independent state in May 1948. Uh, there began a massive immigration of Jews into the country. Um, so uh, the, during the three years of first, first three, three years of independence, between 1948 and 1953, the Jewish population of the country was almost well, actually more than doubled by the arrival of new Jewish immigrants. Uh, who came from Europe, uh, mostly from Europe and from the uh, Middle East, um, but the country was Israel was a poor country as a young as a young, as a young state. It was uh, it was a poor country. It did not have the uh, the uh, did not have sufficient resources to absorb all those migrants who were themselves also mostly uh, poor people. So um, and this also had of course it had an impact on the experience of immigrants in the country uh, and the ability. Or the inability of the state to probably absorb uh, those immigrants to create the economic conditions uh, that would uh, make this uh, migration experience uh, uh, more uh, normal, more uh, um, uh, um, that the, to create the, the, the appropriate conditions to, to absorb all those, all those immigrants. The absence of those conditions, of those, conditions, all those resources, um, resulted in the uh, difficulties, the economic difficulties that pushed uh, many people. To leave the country, so it's, so we have to we have to remember that the 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 objective conditions uh, prevailing in Israel uh, at the time.
1: You you write the following in the interest of clarity and consistency and in order not to impose ideological concepts on the historical actors. I decided not to use Yehuda or Yordim, but rather emigration, emigrants as well as immigration-immigrants, remigration-remigrants, and migration-migrants, depending on the context. Page 34 and 35. You also state that despite the negative connotation of the terms Yerida and Yordim, they also fulfilled a practical function, as Hebrew does not have a handy equivalent for immigration or emigration, except for the ideologically charged words Aliyah and Yerida why do you prefer the term emigrants to the term your deem? What's the difference in meaning between the two terms?
0: Yeah, so this, is, this question is also connected to the uh, ideological discourse on immigration that I uh, explained earlier. Uh, it's important to, to understand uh, that immigration had a very important role in Zionist history. Uh, it, has an, it had an important practical role uh, we know that Zionism was established in Europe and that most of the Jews um, who were potential supporters of, of or followers of the movement uh, were living in Europe. so in order to uh, fulfill the the uh, um, uh, in order to in order to establish or to accomplish the goals of the movement uh, it was uh, necessary to move all those people to Palestine and later to Israel. so immigration um, was a necessary condition immigration, Resettling in the, in, the state of Israel, in the land of Israel was an important condition for the success of the uh, Zionist uh, movement. Immigration is a very central central role in, in Zionist ideology. Um, on a more ideological level, immigration was considered also not just a movement of people one, one place, from one place to another. It was also it also involved uh, a transformation, individual transformation. There was an expectation that uh, Jews moving from the diaspora to the land of Israel, Israel, would recreate themselves, uh, become what was called new Jews, new Jewish men and women, uh, who would leave behind them the uh, old uh, features, what was perceived as the negative features of diaspora Jews in Zionist uh, in Zionist ideology. Um, Jews in the diaspora were considered were considered in Zionist uh, thinking as weak and passive people uh, who did not react properly to uh, uh, to attacks by non-jews they were not were not uh, independent enough were not uh, uh, connected to their land and all of the all of this was supposed to change with immigration to Israel uh, they were supposed to recreate themselves as proud and strong Jews connected to their land of their ancestors uh, so this was the more I would say social cultural ideological aspect of immigration because of the political practical importance of immigration and because of the uh, ideological and practical importance of, of immigration um, it was uh, a very central idea in, in zionist history and the term that was used to describe the immigration of jews to israel was the hebrew word which means going up um, um, those who immigrated were called olim those who go up and the movement in the opposite direction was called yerida going down and those who emigrated immigrants were called yodim those who go down so we see that, that that those terms carry a certain ideological meaning right going up is a positive movement going down is, ne- is a negative movement
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and in my in my book i decided not to use those terms uh, because i didn't want to impose those ideological concepts uh, of the uh, of the immigrants i didn't want to to call immigrants or to, to call uh, immigration Yerida in order not to, not to, uh, to convey uh, the sense that I that I see this phenomenon as a negative phenomenon, um, and also because the emigrants, the migrants themselves, do not call themselves Yehudim, uh, uh, do not describe their uh, movement as Yerida. So um, I wanted to tell the story also from a perspective of the migrants, uh, and not to impose on them those uh, external uh, uh, concepts. Uh, so we have. Um, uh, In English, you have those terms, migration, emigration, and immigration, which are uh, more uh, neutral uh, than the uh, uh, ideologically charged uh, uh, terms, aliyah and yelida.
1: That's fascinating. Thank you. What kinds of impediments did the Israeli government implement to block emigrants from leaving to Europe and the U.S.?
0: Yeah, so... Well, in order to, to answer this question, we have to uh, take a step back and look at the uh, at the troubles that immigration uh, uh, caused. Sure. Uh, I, talk, I talked about the uh, personal experiences of migrants a little bit, but immigration also had uh, um, more, a broader uh, broader impact, broader significance, especially the uh, story of a few thousand, uh, the experiences of a few thousand uh, immigrants who had uh, an especially difficult uh, migration experience people who, many people who wanted to go to the United States or to Canada, especially, uh, but they could not, because of various technical and bureaucratic reasons, they could not go to those country countries directly from Israel and they had to go to Europe, to use Europe as a sort, sort of a stepping stone to their desired destinations. They, they had to apply for immigration assistance or immigration visas uh, from various European countries, but they When they got to Europe, many of them got got stuck there. They could not continue their immigration plans, um, and they ran out of money, ran out of resources. They had no legal status. Their, their, their visas expired when they got to uh, various European countries. And then they uh, became dependent on assistance from Jewish organizations, uh, Jewish communities, and also from non-Jewish uh, welfare organizations. Um, and many of those values, many of those, especially those Jewish organizations, were reluctant to assist th- those migrants, even refused to assist them, because they were busy with the reconstruction of Jewish communities in Europe after the Holocaust. They did not have enough resources uh, to assist the, those, uh, coming, uh, those coming, those uh, coming from Israel, and this created conflicts, tensions, and conflicts between between the migrants and those uh, and those Jewish. Organizations, um, um, European European uh, European governments also imposed restrictions on the movement of uh, of people from Israel, of movement of Israeli passport holders, because of all those troubles that uh, that uh, uh, that immigration from from Israel uh, 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 caused. So, because of all those because of the, those conflicts and tensions and restrictions, it it became clear that immigration became an embarrassment. A huge embarrassment uh, for for israel uh, which was of course considered as uh, the main destination for uh the resettlement of of jewish uh, of jewish refugees and as a result of uh, of uh, of pressures from uh, from jewish organizations and from european uh, governments, the israeli government decided to take action uh, um, and and respond and and uh, and uh, put an end to all those uh, all those complications. So this is the general background for the uh, restrictions and impediments that the Israeli government uh, uh, um, um, imposed on emigrants. Emig- on um, the uh, restrictions uh, themselves uh, were mainly mainly included uh, limitations on the distribution of uh, of passports. The Israeli government decided that passports would be given only to people who could prove that they were that they would be able to reach their destinations. Uh, and then they would be able to sustain themselves after leaving Israel and settling in other countries. So they would avoid all those troubles that had, that had happened uh, to uh, previous uh, migrants. Um, there was also a decision to limit to uh, to uh, place special limitations on the distribution of passports uh, for people who had been in Israel less than five years, because there were various reports that showed that most the people who had uh, lived in Israel. Uh, uh shorter periods are mo- more likely to, uh, to emigrate um, another restriction was the demand that immigrants new immigrants in israel who wanted to leave the country should pay should repay uh, the, the state all the costs involved in bringing them into israel and even the costs involved in maintaining them in in uh, transit or immigrant camps uh, in uh, in israel so this was uh, um, a, a burden that many uh, people uh, 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 could not uh, withstand could not repay uh, the costs and in addition to those uh, bureaucratic or administrative uh, uh, um, uh, restrictions there was also another interesting uh, interesting step that the israeli government government took the, it was a very extensive propaganda campaign against against immigration in the in the press um, the publication uh, publication of many articles, uh, negative articles about immigration, uh, showing the uh, the distress, the plight, the difficulties that people who had left Israel encountered in their countries of destination. Uh, those articles also depicted uh, migrants as uh, immoral people uh, who failed in their in their uh, uh, attempts to settle outside of Israel, in order to to discourage. More, more immigration of Israelis. Um, so the combination of, of those of those uh, 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 restrictions, the more bureaucratic restrictions, and the uh, and the propaganda campaign, um, actually were actually quite successful. They had, had an impact. Um, they they succeeded in not, in not in preventing immigration, but at least succeeded succeeded in um, in solving the problems that existed in uh, in Europe. Uh, with Israeli migrants, immigration after those restrictions, uh, as a result of anti, the anti-immigration policy of the state of Israel, became more no, more normal immigration uh, of people just moving from um, one from Israel to uh, to uh, new destinations without encountering all those troubles uh,
1: along the way. What forms of discrimination did Jewish emigrants from Israel face in trying to enter Canada, Australia? in the United States.
0: Hmm. So um, this was connected to the uh, story of those migrants who got stuck, got stranded uh, in Europe. Uh, I call them re-migrants in the book, those people who went from Israel to Europe in the hope of receiving help from uh, immigration organizations, welfare agencies, uh, help in uh, resettling in uh, a new destination. Um, there was quite quite an extensive uh, immigration and welfare activity uh, in in countries in Europe at the time, mostly in Germany, but also in, but also in countries like Austria and Italy and other countries. Uh, and immigrants from Israel hoped uh, to be included in this activity to be uh, to be uh, I would say, to be taken under the wings of those welfare organizations and that would help them emigrate uh, to destinations overseas, many the US uh, and and Canada, also but also Australia, Australia. Uh, and other uh, uh, countries. So those countries, those, those immigration countries, had various migration schemes uh, that uh, helped, that were supposed to help people uh, move from Europe uh, uh, to those new destinations. But the Israeli migrants uh, encountered specific problems because of the fact that they had already settled in Israel. As, as I said earlier, most of them had come to Israel from Europe, mostly, but also from the Middle East, and then they wanted to remigrate, to emigrate uh, to immigrate uh, again, but they found that they could not be included. They were inel- inel- ineligible uh, for inclusion in uh, uh, those migration schemes of, uh, of immigration countries um, because of the fact that they had already uh, received help in coming uh, into uh, Israel. So usually they were not; they were ineligible for a second resettlement uh, attempt uh, in, uh, in in another. Country usually they receive public uh, help or help from uh, through public funds in settling in Israel. Um, so uh, the argument was that they had already been assisted in going to Israel, which was, of course, as I said, was considered as, considered as the main destination for the rehabilitation of Jewish refugees, the main destination uh, uh, for immigration of Jewish refugees after the war. So it seemed unacceptable that people who had already settled in Israel would again receive help. From uh, from uh, uh, Jewish and non-Jewish organizations in moving to another, uh, moving to another uh, uh, country. Now it's also important to note that um, that, that those countries uh, again we're talking about the U.S., Canada, Australia, and also other countries uh, were generally reluctant uh, uh, to admit refugees after uh, after the Second World War, especially Jewish refugees. There were still uh, there were still restrictions, or still uh, um, reluctance to to take in Jewish refugees after. After uh, uh, the war, so the chances of people who had already of Jews who had already been in Israel, their chances to be admitted into a new country uh, uh, were especially uh, especially slim, because of the post-war conditions.
1: Understood. How did the phenomenon of Israeli remigrants hurt Israel's reputation in the West?
0: Um, so yeah, it's it's connected to the the. Um, the experiences, the realities that, that I described uh, uh, earlier, um, all those hardships that uh, immigrants had encountered in uh, after uh, leaving Israel. Um, it's important to remember that, that Israel aspired to establish herself as a safe heaven for Jews, right? We're talking about uh, it was just several years after the Holocaust, uh, after uh, a, lot, a large number of Jews had also been displaced from countries, Muslim countries in the Middle East. Uh, and in North Africa. So Israel, was uh, Israel, of course, took in uh, a very large number of, of immigrants from those places, despite the difficulties that I uh, mentioned earlier. Um, and Israel indeed was considered as a safe haven, haven for uh, uh, for Jews. Israel also established, established herself as the main center uh, of Jewish life after the Second World War, as a result of the uh, murder of uh, almost six million Jews in Europe during, during the Second World War, United States and Israel became uh, the largest uh, uh, population centers, uh, largest Jewish population centers in the world. And Israel, was, of course, of course, a Jewish state, so it was considered as the uh, as the main center of uh, Jewish life. Israel also aspired to establish herself as a free democracy. Um, so the fact that. There was such a significant immigration uh, uh, from Israel, especially after, uh, especially after, uh, after uh, the Holocaust, seemed to threaten the reputation of Israel as uh, as a safe haven, as a refuge uh, uh, for uh, for Jewish uh, for Jewish uh, people. Now there were also other other reasons. Um, many of the people, some of the people who left Israel, applied for refugee status. In other countries, they mm-hmm. knew that uh, gaining a refugee status would help them to receive uh, certain benefits, uh, um, material support, and uh, assistance in emigrating to other uh, countries. So the fact that people who had been Jews, who had been already living in Israel, were now trying to become refugees, applying to, for refugee status in other countries, tarnished uh, the, the reputation of Israel not only as a Jewish state but also as free, as a free, uh, uh, as a free. Uh, Democracy. Um, Another another reason uh, for the uh, for for the uh, for the fact that immigration hurt uh, Israel's reputation was that in some cases, cases it was illegal uh, immigration because of all the restrictions that was that were imposed on immigrants. Some of them had to resort to illegal immigration, which of course complicated their 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 uh, status. Uh, and, and made life even harder, more even harder for them once they reached other uh, new destinations. So the combination of all those troubles created an impression of of chaos in Israel. Uh, uh, created an impression that Israel uh, was uh, unable to control uh, to uh, to exert control over uh, over uh, its uh, uh, borders. Um, and this has also contributed to the um, Negative image of Israel, following or as a result of uh, of, a, of uh, immigration from a country.
1: What was the stress Synagogue crisis, which took place in Munich, and why is it important?
0: The Mostaress, um, sorry for my my pronunciation of this German uh, name, Mostaress uh, Synagogue uh, in uh, in Munich. It was a it is a name of of a synagogue uh, in Munich. Um, this, is, was, this was this was destination uh, for a group of uh, of uh, Israeli uh, immigrants in uh, the mid 1950s, in 1953, uh, to be more precise. Uh, to understand the story of this synagogue of, it, of the settlement of Jews in, of Jewish immigrants from Israel, in the synagogue again, again we have to take a step back and look at the larger story of immigration uh, from Israel to Germany uh, at the time, because of the almost difficulties that immigrants encountered in europe those who got stuck in europe um, they uh, one of the, the solutions that they found was to penetrate into displaced persons camps in Germany refugee camps in Germany uh, those were uh, camps that had been established by the allies after the second world war um, for uh, refugees that had no nowhere to go after the war most of those camps had been closed uh, by 1951 as a result of out-migration of refugees who had been settled in other countries. But there was one camp, it was called the Fernwald camp uh, near Munich, that continued to exist until 1957. Um, it was camp the camp that uh, inhabited the what was called the hardcore uh, Holocaust survivors or refugees, people with very difficult uh, uh, problems that prevented them from being admitted to other countries. Some of them uh, maybe did not even want Uh, to emigrate from the camp and start uh, new lives so this camp was closed only in 1957 it continued to exist during the 1950s and the existence of the camp of this camp also turned it into a sort of a magnet for uh, migrants from israel who got stuck and had no other solutions they started gravitating towards the camp from various countries in europe uh, also from germany they crossed borders uh, from france from italy from other countries from austria and started going into this camp uh, because they knew that they were hoping that the uh, welfare agencies uh, working in that camp taking care of the existing uh, uh, refugees living in the living in the camp camp would also ha- help them uh, uh, making a living uh, or help them sustain themselves and also help them um, uh, move to other countries the Germans objected resisted this movement uh, uh, this influx into the camp uh, um, ran counter to the efforts of Germans to close the camp and terminate the Jewish refugee problem in Germany after the war. So after various uh, uh, um, discussions, negotiations with Jewish organizations, with the migrants themselves, they decided to to block the movement, completely block the movement to, to Camp Fernwald. So there were people who came to Germany, came to the area. They wanted to go to the camp, and they could not enter the camp because now it was blocked with a police station. And they started looking for other options, and one of the options was to settle in this synagogue uh, in uh, in Munich. Uh, so there was a group of, of about two hundred people um, who settled in this in this synagogue, was squatted squatted in the synagogue, uh, including families and small children. They lived in very in terrible sanitary uh, sanitary uh, uh, conditions. Um, it was also uh, an illegal act; they were illegally uh, illegally settled there. So. Uh, at some point, the German police raided the synagogue and arrested about uh, uh, sixty uh, about sixty uh, people. So it, it's a very uh, visitors. People who visited uh, the synagogue uh, um, uh, were shocked by by the conditions in which Israeli migrants uh, were living. Um, some reports appeared in, the, in in newspapers, some in in, in official uh, in official reports. Um, this this was a very tragic story, uh, obviously. But I would say that the significance. Uh, of, of this story um, lies in the fact that it shows how far people w- were willing to go uh, to be out of Israel, were willing to live in those in this terrible conditions in this, uh, in this synagogue uh, because it, it seemed like a, a chance uh, uh, to uh, emigrate uh, fr- uh, from Israel, to start new lives in, in another uh, country. The synagogue incidents, incident also uh, revealed the tensions in the Jewish community surrounding emigration uh, from Israel, uh, there were official bodies uh, of the German Jewish community that refused to assist those migrants because of uh, there were previous uh, agreements with the German government that prevented uh, Jewish uh, the Jewish community to assist immigrants from Israel who came after a certain certain uh, a certain date. Um, so they were not allowed to uh, to uh, assist those people, they did not, and they did not want to violate the agreement with the Germans but there were also people in the community that uh, thought that Jewish organizations should help uh, those immigrants. So there were pressure that was put on Jewish organizations, on the Jewish community, to provide assistance to those immigrants. Um, So, uh, and this this conflict over the the, uh, synagogue uh, migrants revealed a basic conflict uh, surrounding immigration from Israel, conflict between uh, the desire not to, to damage Israel, not to damage the the inspiration of Israel to establish herself as a destination, as refuge uh, for uh, for Jews after the war. The the belief was that assisting immigrants would encourage more immigration and would hurt Israel. And on the other hand, the uh, notion of Jewish solidarity, the notion that Jews should help other Jews in need. So there was a conflict between those who resisted uh, the idea that uh, the community should help the immigrants in the synagogue, and those who believed that uh, helping the, the people who coming out of Israel uh, would uh, would uh, uh, encourage more immigration, um, and also I would say that the severity of the problem in in the synagogue in Munich um, also accelerated the efforts uh, to solve to find a solution uh, to the crisis uh, in Germany. So it's a it's an isolated it's a it's a uh, uh, it's a case it's an experience of a, two, a group group of two hundred people but we we see that it represented a much larger uh, uh, problem uh, of immigration from Israel, or related to immigration from Israel.
1: On this note, um, personally, as someone who is reading this book, um, I was struck by the attitude of Israeli government officials that is quoted in many parts of this book towards the immigrants. Um, On page 147, you have a quotation from Moshe Sharet, where he says as follows, um, just as a doctor or a social worker must not fulfill the stupid wishes of the people under their care, but should put them under the treatment directed at their improvement or salvation. So the state cannot and must not comply with the wandering instinct embedded in the heart of this reckless people, must not comply with their forgetfulness of their own past, but rather should save them and their sons having no other choice against their will from the curse of eternal gypsiness in which they seek relief from the pangs of absorption in their only home in the world. And then you have uh, Golda Meyerson, Golda Myer, also quoted on the same page. Um, We quote her as follows. Whoever comes, we should help him to integrate, but not to leave. It is not good for him and not good for the state. The state is also entitled to demand something from the Jews. An immigration transit camp is a very bad thing, but it is not a disaster to keep them in the camps. I would go so far as demanding reimbursement for the co- costs of bringing them here. Where is it written that a person would go hither and thither and the Jewish people would cover their expenses? This The attitude towards the emigrants is very striking to me as a reader of this book how did you feel as a researcher uncovering and rereading such words
0: yeah those are strong stronger words uh, yeah I, I was also surprised by the uh, I would say the uh, intensity of, of those uh, expressions um, this condescending uh, approach right the the, the, the notion that uh, the immigrants the state to treat immigrants like a social worker uh, treats uh, a, a client um, and those, uh, and comparing immigration uh, uh, to suicide i'm not sure if this was in the in a quote that you provided but this was also uh, um, um, something that was mentioned by by israel officials that people people are intending on immigrating or like people intending on committing suicide so uh the reaction to immigration should be similar to the reaction uh, of trying to prevent the people for uh, a person from uh, from uh, uh, committing uh, uh, suicide. Um, when I try to make se- make sense of those sentiments, of those uh, uh, expressions, I think per- perhaps it's uh, we can we can relate this to the uh, misgivings and doubts of leaders uh, of a young state um, as to the willingness or in willingness and ability of the masses of the people to conform. To the demands of uh, of nation building, uh, the misgivings as to the ability of those people uh, to be uh, to contribute to the national uh, 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 project and also to fulfil the demands of of that uh, national uh, national project. And um, as I explained earlier, um, one of the one of the demands was that they um, I would say shed uh, their uh, diaspora identity or get rid of their diaspora identity, diaspora mentality, um, and become rooted Israelis. Um, and one of the um, basic elements that, uh, of the of this diaspora, alleged diaspora mentality, according to in the Zionist view, uh, this dias- this diaspora mentality included a sort of a inclina- inclination to wandering. Uh, it was called also, I think it was mentioned in one of the quotations, wandering instinct. Um, so the demand was that those people would get rid of this tendency to to move around uh, the wandering instinct and uh, rec- recreate themselves as rooted people people who are rooted uh, uh, in the land and can be uh, parts of normal lives of a modern uh, modern uh, nation state instead of uh, uh, of continuing to you know, Look for other other destinations, or look for other solutions, and continue uh, continuing to wander, to wander around the world. This was the, sort of the, the image of the uh, of the wandering Jew that was, I think, also uh, internalized by some uh, uh, Zionists. So maybe those very strong oppression, uh, expressions reflected the anxiety of the leaders of the of the state of Israel, the leaders of the, of the Zionist movement, that they would not be able uh, 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 to uh, to convince the immigrants. Uh, to go through this transformation, to instill in immigrants this new, uh, new identity of rooted people, uh, citizens of a modern state, rather than uh, wandering uh, Jews, as they were perceived, uh, as, as they were perceived by uh, by, uh, by leaders of the movement, leaders uh, leaders of the state. Maybe it's, it was also just a, uh, an anxiety over the significant amount of people who moved off, out of the country, uh, people people who were living, people who wanted to leave but they could not. Not leave the country. Maybe the leaders were frightened to see uh, the tendency or the desire. So, so many people uh, to uh, to immigrate from Israel, and they uh, and they just ad- adopted this hard uh, approach, uh, which was expressed not only in uh, practical uh, limitations on immigration, but also in this uh, uh, this language language that uh, um, again reflected uh, their uh, anxiety over. The threat, uh, the threat of, of immigration.
1: That's, that's absolutely fascinating. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Why did Israeli immigration to Canada between 1948 and 1962 create
0: discord? Yeah, this, this connects to uh, um, um, a topic that we discussed earlier, uh, this tension within the Jewish community. Um, Maybe we should we should, uh, we should um, talk this ab- about this a little more in the context of, of sure. Canada. This uh, um, conflict between um, the, uh, the 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 uh, idea of uh, Jewish solidarity, Jewish international solidarity, the notion that Jews should help Jews in need. It's it's a traditional uh, uh, um, or uh, uh, it's part of Jewish tradition, important part of part of Jewish tradition. It was expressed in very very various. Uh, various uh, um, uh, periods in Jewish history. So so this was one, one, um, one idea. And then the idea of consensus over Zionism. The consensus, Zionism became a consensus uh, a view in the Jewish world uh, after in 1945, uh, 1945 after the Second World War. Um, many people who had been non-Zionist or even anti-Zionist before the war Became convinced that Jews would survive the war and would not be able to live uh, in, uh, in, uh, in countries in Europe. Uh, they became convinced of the necessity of the existence of a Jewish uh, state. So there was strong consensus in Jewish communities around the world uh, uh, for uh, over uh, for support uh, for Israel. But immigration from Israel created a conflict between those two ideas, between the idea of Jewish solidarity and support of Zionism. Because, as I already explained, um, um, assistance to immigrants was seen as was, seemed to work against against Israel, because it, it was a fear that uh, immigrants would encourage more uh, immigration. So we have this conflict between the humanitarian aspect uh, of uh, of Jewish uh, solidarity and the desire and, and the political consideration of, of supporting Israel. When immigrants came to Canada. Um, this conflict resulted in in debates uh, and disputes within the Jewish community. Uh, Immigrants came to Canada um, from Israel asking for support from Jewish institutions, um, and those Jewish institutions institutions had to decide what to do. Some people thought that uh, immigrants should not receive any help because they had come from Israel, and the uh, public funds uh, of the Canadian Jewish community should be invested in helping people not yet had an opportunity to uh, settle in, in another country but other people um, represented uh, the, the notion of Jewish solidarity they argued that the decision of uh, of whether a certain migrant should receive help or not should not be based on the country of origin but on the need uh, on the extent of need uh, so there were there were debates around this, this issue this issue uh, in Canada uh, maybe another uh, dimension, For this debate is related to the uh, um, the history of the uh, or the experience of the Jewish uh, Canadian Jewish community during the Second World War, uh, when the uh, Canadian government um, refused to take in Jewish refugees from Europe, Um, and the Canadian the Canadian Jewish community uh, tried to influence the government to change the policy, uh, which was uh, but it was unsuccessful in doing that. So maybe. Um, there was a certain uh, sensitivity in the Canadian Jewish community uh, over issues uh, issues of immigration. Uh, after the terrible years of the war, when the government did not allow refugees uh, to enter uh, Canada, Jewish ref- refugees to enter Canada, despite the efforts of the Canadian Jewish community, maybe there was a, uh, a greater sensitivity uh, in Canada, in, among Canadian Jews, uh, towards the issue of you know Jewish refugees seeking uh, entry, uh, uh, into, into Canada. So this is one way to understand the, uh, uh, the discord in the Canadian Jewish community.
1: Understood. In the United States, why were Jewish communal aid organizations reluctant to help the Remigrants?
0: So United, United Jewish organizations in the United States also believed that their role was to uh, support uh, immigration into israel um, and not uh, out migration uh, uh, from the country um, they believed that their job was to uh, also to help jews escape from uh, from non from non democratic uh, states or to, to escape uh, countries in which uh, uh, jewish life were under under threat um, and Of course, Israel was a destination for such uh, such uh, preferred destination for such migrants, at least from the perspective, perspective. Sorry, uh, of Jewish organizations, Um, helping Jews moving out of Israel move out of Israel uh, was not part of the philosophy of those organizations uh, uh, who had been established in order to uh, to assist Jews again uh, who were seen to suffer persecution uh, in other countries. So, Israel was not a country that persecuted. Uh, uh, persecuted uh, uh, Jews, and here also again there was a conflict between the experiences of migrants and the uh, the uh, ideology or philosophy or attitudes of of uh, Jewish organizations. Um, helping immigration from Israel was not part of their agenda, but Jews coming out of Israel still uh, still needed, needed help, uh, um, and uh, and they uh, they were trying to convince those American Jewish organizations. Uh, that uh, that they should help them um, but uh, but it would they were mostly unsuccessful uh, the organizations uh, like like HIAS, uh, and other uh, American jewish organizations that uh, that assisted migrants uh, generally refused to assist immigration from israel and it is likely that uh, this policy uh, helped to prevent uh, more immigration from from israel um, there was uh, a very large number of Applicants in Israel, people in Israel applying uh, to those organizations, organizations seeking help in moving out of Israel, and it is quite likely that uh, if the, the, those organizations would, would have been willing to assist immigra- immigration from, from Israel, um, um, many more people, a much larger number of people, would have left uh, Israel during that period. So, uh, in that sense, the, the policy of American Jewish organizations refusing to assist immigration from Israel helped to curb the movement uh, out, out of the country. But again, it also uh, resulted in debates and conflicts conflict within the American Jewish community between uh, those who supported this policy and those who thought that uh, Jewish organizations should help people uh, leave Israel, especially uh, family members of people who uh, of people who wanted to, to go from Israel. Um, there, there was a strong demand from, uh, from American Jews who had relatives in Israel, Family members in Israel want, wanted to go to the United States, uh, and there was strong pressure from both families uh, uh, on Jewish organizations to assist this movement. Mm, okay.
1: What role did organizations like HIAS and UHS play in this phenomenon?
0: So, yeah, as I explained uh, uh, in, uh, for the uh, previous question, um, by not not helping immigration right. from Israel, okay. they uh, helped to restrict the movement from a country. OK. Those were those
1: American Jewish organizations. As, as you describe in your concluding chapter, Indian migrants to Israel went on strike in November 1951. Can you describe this episode for our listeners? Why did they go on strike? And what were the ramifications of this strike?
0: Yeah, this is another uh, quite uh, tragic and sad, sad incident uh, within this larger story of, of immigration. Um, it is a story of a group of immigrants who came to Israel from India, Jewish immigrants from India. It wasn't a very large, large group. Um, they were sent to various uh, settlements, uh, various places in Israel, cities and settlements in Israel. But they, they complained about very harsh conditions, uh, about hard work that they had to do uh, in those places. And they also complained about racism uh, on the basis of their skin color uh, in Israel. And they decided that they wanted uh, to uh, go back to India, to repatriate, go, go back to their homes uh, in India. But they, they thought that the Jewish agency uh, that had been responsible for bringing them into Israel, the Jewish agency was the uh, organization within the Israeli government that was responsible for the immigration project. So they thought that this organization should also organize their repatriation, their remigration, uh, or their return. Uh, to india again because they 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 were responsible for bringing them uh, to uh, to israel and uh, um, as the migrants believe also for the hardships that they experienced in israel so they went on uh, uh, and and staged a sitting strike even a hunger strike uh, and in front of the offices of the jewish agency uh, in tel aviv they traveled from various places around israel uh, gathered there uh, and staged uh, this this uh, strike demanding that the state would the Jewish embassy or, or the government uh, would send them uh, uh, send them back to Israel? So this was different uh, from other uh, stories of immigration, because usually uh, um, immigrants had to fund their own uh, immigration; had to find uh, resources uh, uh, for immigration. Now there was a demand by a group, not just one by one individual, but but by a group that uh, the state uh, invest funds in sending them back to their uh, to their Home uh, uh, country. And this uh, uh, provoked a debate, a lot of criticism against this group, and also a debate about uh, about what the government, uh, government uh, should do. Um, in the meantime, there was another, also, I should say that uh, the government eventually decided to send them back to India. Um, so uh, a group of, of around 100 people, I think, I don't remember the exact number, were actually sent by the Israeli government. Uh, uh, uh to uh, to india and then there was another group that in in israel of indian immigrants that demanded the same uh, the same treatment treatment they also demanded to be sent back to, uh, back to uh, to india uh but then in the meantime the group that had been sent previously now demanded to go back to israel because of the conditions the difficulties that they, they had encountered in uh, interrogating in india again so again they they also stayed the city in strike in front of the offices of the Jewish Agency, uh, in uh, in uh, one of the cities uh, in India, demanding uh, uh, to go back. Um, so there was a lot of criticism and debate uh, uh, around uh, the behavior uh, of those uh, of those people. But this story is interesting, I think, because it sheds light uh, on several interesting uh, uh, phenomena relating to immigration from Israel uh, at that time. Um, First of all, it demonstrates the difficulties uh, of, of immigrants in Israel. If you look at this, the particular story of immigrants uh, of immigrants from Israel, we see the the, the larger difficulties that immigrants uh, encountered uh, in the country, the uh, problems of employment uh, and housing, but also the the uh, um, I would say alienation from the rest of uh, of the from the existing population, uh, as was expressed in the racism that was. Uh, uh, that was uh, directed uh, towards the racist attitude, That was directed towards the, those migrants from India. So uh, so we see both the um, economic material and uh, but also uh, social uh, problems that immigrants uh, encountered. And I think that the experience of, of immigrants from India also sheds light on the difficulty in making a decision. Um, immigrants um, settled in Israel, demanded to go back to India, and then after 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 going back to India, they also they again decided to uh, to uh, go back to Israel. So it, it reflects a sense of confusion and decision and difficulties in making a decision of where to, of where people should rebuild their lives, which was uh, characteristic also uh, of other uh, of other people around that period.
1: In your con- concluding chapter, you also tell the story of Hans Jonas. Uh... The 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 famous scholar who was of German Jewish background. What does his story teach us, and how is it relevant?
0: It is another. uh, It's a personal uh, story, uh, which I found uh, quite uh, quite interesting. Hans Hans Jonas was a a philosopher, a German Jewish uh, philosopher. Um, um, He studied uh, the philosophy of of religion. Um, He became a Zionist. Uh, he was a Zionist in Germany, uh, already in Germany, and he came uh, in Germany in the 1930s as a result of the rise of Nazism, and he uh, settled uh, in, in Palestine, in pre-state Palestine in the 1930s. Um, he was active in Zionist circles uh, in, in Palestine, uh, also in important intellectual cir- circles of Central European uh, Jews in Palestine, um, but he also uh, v- volunteered uh, to, serve, to serve in uh, Zionist military uh, organizations um, but then uh, after the the creation of the state he also participated in the, in the 1948 war uh, he served as a soldier in the 1948 war but he he couldn't could not find an academic position in Israel uh, he had a temporary teaching position at the Hebrew university of Jeru- of Jerusalem but he could not could not find a permanent position so he uh, left the country left Israel uh, and uh, he found a teaching position in Canada uh, and then a more permanent uh, position in, uh, in, the youth, in the new school uh, in, uh, in New York. Um, his story is interesting, first of all, uh, because um, it's interesting to t- also to tell the stories of, of intellectuals. Um, some, of, some of the people who left the country were also uh, important uh, Jewish uh, intellectuals. And it's interesting to see. Uh, how uh, also in, intellectuals uh, are the, the impact of, of those uh, conditions on, on the lives of, of academics and intellectuals the, the opportunities that they uh, had in other uh, in other uh, in other uh, countries um, intellectuals or writers uh, maybe usually or uh, sometimes have a better way of articulating uh, their stories um, 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 and the various considerations that they had uh, when trying to decide whether to leave Israel or not. Uh, also, reflecting back uh, on, their, uh, on their migration experience and their life in Israel, um, uh, they, they, have, they provide interesting insights on the differences between life in Israel and life in the United States or in other, other countries in which, in which uh, they settled. So um, this is another level of the narrative or another aspect of the story, telling the the story from the perspective of of intellectuals. Um, The story of Hans Jonas is also interesting because he was a Zionist who left the country. Um, We usually associate immigration from from Israel with rejection of Zionism, Um, but this was not uh, uh, the case for all immigrants. Hans Jonas, for example, Uh, Did not leave Israel because he uh, uh, rejected Zionist ideology. He was still a Zionist when he left uh, the country, Um, but but he uh, he was um, uh, almost compelled to leave because of the uh, more economic, material, personal, uh, personal reasons that also motivated uh, other uh, other uh, immigrants. So it's a story of one individual that provides uh, larger insights into the general uh, story uh, of immigration. We can see that the. uh, that the, uh, despite the differences between the experience of intellectuals uh, and, and uh, more, I would say, ordinary uh, people, uh, we see similar uh, reasons uh, for immigration.
1: Speaking of, of um, immigration abroad, um, you also tell the story in your concluding chapter of Reuven Namdan who won the Israeli prize the, the the Sapir prize for Israeli literature in 2014 who was an Israeli emigrant living in New York can you describe the controversy surrounding his receiving this award and how this contributes to the themes in your book
0: yeah so it's a uh, an Israeli author Israeli writer uh, novelist his name is Loven Namdal uh, uh, um he lives in New York Uh, And he received a prestigious, as you mentioned, prestigious, prestigious, uh, a literary prize uh, in in Israel, Uh, um, and this was a source of debate uh, in the Israeli uh, media. Uh, Some people argued that uh, an an Israeli prize should not be given, should not be awarded to a person living outside of Israel, even though he is an Israeli writing in Hebrew. Um, uh, There was an argument that. Writers in Israel struggle uh, with, struggle with with the you know um, difficulties in making a living as writers. So, uh, award, so such prizes should be given to people living and writing uh, in Israel. Uh, and then other people said that um, um, literature does not know uh, geographical or political uh, boundaries and uh, borders. Uh, that uh, it was it's it's a Hebrew he's a Hebrew writer. He's part of is part of the uh, um, of Hebrew Israeli culture because he, he published a book in Hebrew, so he should he should receive uh, 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 the prize uh, of the award. Um, I think that the the importance the significance of this debate is that well, it took place uh, about ten or fifteen years ago, uh, so it's after much later, much after the uh, the period that I cover uh, in in my book. But it shows that those debates about immigration um, did not end in the 1950s, 1960s, even the 1970s, and they continue uh, to, uh, to take place even, even today uh, when there is much more openness in Israel uh, towards immigration. Um, uh, immigrants, uh, people leave Israel are not subject to the same criticism as in the 1950s. Um, uh, of course, there is no... Uh, restriction on immigration, as as I, as I described in, in the nineteen fifties, um, again more openness towards the, the idea that Jews would uh, live in other in other countries, uh, would leave Israel to, to settle in other countries. But despite this change, uh, the uh, the debate surrounding this uh, this uh, prize um, illustrates that questions of immigration from Israel uh, are, are still. Um, Still hotly debated, uh, they're, they're still considered as 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 almost existential uh, questions. Uh, the debate about whether Jews should live in Israel or should live in other in other countries. Uh, questions about the meaning of patriotism uh, for Jews and, and, for, and for and for Israelis. Uh, the question of the value of Jewish life in Israel versus Jewish life uh, in the diaspora. Uh, we see that uh, in this in this case and in, in other cases that I mentioned mainly in the conclusion, more recent cases that there's a sense of continuity between the earlier period, period of the state, um, when Zionist ideology was much more, much more robust, much more influential, uh, um, and, uh, and today, uh, even despite the, the changes that Israeli society went through, we still see that the immigration debate is uh, uh, alive and kicking.
1: How is emigration from Israel today, similar or different from what you describe in your book, in the past decade, Israel has experienced tremendous economic growth. How has this changed the reasons for emigration in today's Israel, relative to Israel in the early years of the state?
0: Yeah, so this uh, nicely connects to the uh, um, previous uh, question about uh, uh, sort of bringing the discussion to, uh, to, uh, to the present. Um, one, one important difference is uh, we, relates to the uh, reasons for immigration. Uh, in migration studies, scholars usually distinguish between uh, push factor, factors and pull factors. Push factors are usually uh, difficulties, hardships that push people to move to other countries, and pull factors are uh, conditions or opportunities in, in other countries that uh, attract people uh, to leave their homes and settle in, in other destinations. So I would say generally that in in the earlier period that I, that is covered in the book, push factors were more important. Um, I described earlier the uh, various economic hardships and the difficult conditions in Israel that motivated uh, or pushed people uh, uh, to leave. Today, when Israel, of course, the economic condition conditions uh, um, um, Significantly improved in Israel. Israeli Israeli economy uh, is uh, much stronger than it was in the 1950s and uh, 1960s. Um, so the pull factors are stronger. Opportunities, are more important opportunities that Israelis see uh, in other uh, countries uh, around uh, around the world. Um, I would say this is the uh, this, this would be the main the main difference. Also, of course, there are more opportunities today for people than. Uh, opportunities that existed in the nineteen, in the nineteen, uh, in the nineteen fifties, and if we look also at the institutional or public side of, of the story, as I started to explain earlier, um, there is more uh, um, more flexibility, more openness in Israel uh, uh, towards the idea of Jewish immigration, uh, despite the tensions that I uh, that I uh, described, despite the the, the continuity of, of debates, um, still, um, for example, still there is more more flexibility, more more openness um one example i mean we can we can see this with the use of use of terms we began with the question of the terms that are used to to uh, uh, to describe immigration to to talk about immigration so uh, the, ter- the term Yerida is no longer uh, popular uh, in israel uh, especially compared to the 1950s 60s 70s uh, the term yordim uh, and yerida which again as i said convey uh, uh, those this negative, uh, negative meaning uh, are much less popular today. Today, people use uh, more neutral terms, such as uh, uh, migrants or immigrants, Im- immigrants without this uh, uh, um, not those words that carry ideological meaning. So um, I think looking at, at the language uh, that is used in, in discussions on immigration helps us, on, helps us to understand also the cultural uh, social and ideological changes, even though I should again emphasize that uh, there, is still, um, uh, there are still debates about immigration. Uh, so, we, so the problem, despite those changes, um, the debate has not died down completely. Uh, we see a tension here between continuity and change. Sure.
1: In In chapter four of your book, you describe Eliezer Weizel, the Paris correspondent for Yediota Chronot, with the following quotation. Emigration will only stop if Israel becomes a richer or more humane country, if we learn to appreciate the human being living among us, page page 165. Can you comment on the significance of these words? And if we think about Israel today, is Israel a more humane country, more appreciative of the human being, or is it the same?
0: yeah so uh first of all Eliezer is actually Eli Elie Wiesel
1: Eli Wiesel uh, okay okay
0: uh, he's, uh, he was he uh so back then he was still called Eliezer uh for Eli Wiesel okay he's sorry the, uh, yes he's, he's the uh uh well-known uh, uh, author uh writer who also won the uh the um, uh Nobel prize uh he's a holocaust uh, survivor he wrote about the holocaust a uh, very you know, well-known uh, uh, writer, uh, was a well-known writer. In the 1950s, uh, he was a journalist, was working as a journalist for an Israeli newspaper. He lived in Paris, uh, he moved to, uh, to Paris after the war. He was a survivor of Auschwitz. Uh, the, uh, and, and he settled in, in, in Paris after the war, and he became a, a journalist in, uh, for one Israeli newspaper. And he was very interested in this question of, of immigration. He wrote a lot about, about immigration, about uh, immigrants from Israel. Um, I mentioned earlier the propaganda campaign against immigration. So he took uh, a very, was very active in this, in this campaign, this propaganda campaign. He traveled to, uh, to the United States, to Canada, to Brazil uh, and, and sent reports about uh, immigrants from Israel, very negative reports. Uh, which were, of course, of course meant to uh, to discourage discourage immigration immigration from Israel, um, and the, the passage that you that you uh, that you read here that you quoted here is part of, of those those reports. Um, this is a more moderate, uh, I think, more moderate uh, uh, part of of his writing, not criticizing the immigrants but criticizing uh, Israel. Um, so it was kind of exceptional in, in his writing. Usually, he focused on uh, on on uh, um, uh, criticizing the immigrants and not not the state. Um, so the question of whether Israel is, is more humane um, it's uh, I mean it's a difficult it's a difficult question. I think that especially conditions are, are uh, much easier today, much much uh, better in Israel than in the nineteen fifties when the country was very uh, very uh, poor and did not have the resources to, to deal uh, with, uh, with immigration. Um, life in Israel is much easier, much easier uh, uh, today. Um, the, uh, what, when we think about the humanity of, a certain, of, of Israel, I think we, don't, we also have to bear in mind not only the way the government treats uh, its Jewish uh, citizens, but also under, other people under Israeli uh, control. Under Israeli rule. So, if you mention the humanity of of Israel, I think we should also uh, uh, take into into consideration the uh, um, treatment of Palestinians yes. by the Israeli government. It's uh, it, this is not the, the topic of of my book, but you know, when you talk about the humanity of Israel uh, as a state, um, we should also take this uh, into uh, into consideration. Uh, but Israel is certainly a richer country than it used to be uh, in uh, in the nineteen fifties.
1: What can your book teach us about today's global refugee crisis? And what can the story of, emig- of emigration and remigration from Israel teach students and scholars of refugee studies specializing in other countries?
0: So I think there are several, um, several things that we can learn you know, from this uh, story about uh, broader questions of, of immigration. I think one one specific thing is that uh, immigration, migration, or immigration is not a one-way movement. Um, usually, we tend to think of, of immigration as a, I think as a you know, one-way movement of people going from one place to another, and then and then settling and staying uh, in that place. Um, my book uh, is mostly about remigration, about people who went to a certain country and then I decided to continue. Uh, the struggle to find a home, to continue uh, emigrating. So, um, and it's also, of course, it, all, it also happened in other, you know, other uh, um, cases of uh, of migration in, in in history. Usually, large waves of migration are followed by counter waves of people who uh, uh, who move back to their destinations or try to settle in new destinations. Uh, but we often forget that when we talk about uh, migration. So it's important to remember that migration is not a one-way movement. It, it involves um, um, surprising uh, mo- movements or in, in, in un- unexpected, uh, unexpected uh, directions. Um, I think another, uh, uh, maybe insight that, you know, we can take uh, from the book relates to the experience of, of migrants and refugees. I think I show in the book that refugees are not passive uh, people. And uh, this is also, I think we also tend to think about refugees, uh, as, uh, passive uh uh people 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 who suffer from from policies of various uh, uh, various values of of states um, and they're sort of uh they play a passive role uh, in the story we think about masses of refugees uh, about migration waves migration movements but when when we look at the experiences of individual migrants uh, we look at the story from their perspective we can see that there were not uh, a passive but uh, sometimes active people who acted uh, worked to uh, to shape their own destiny uh, through uh, uh, through various actions. Um, uh, in the case cases that I, that I uh, discuss in the book, uh, they appealed to organizations, uh, they wrote letters, uh, they confronted various authorities. They tried to shape their destiny with their own hands. So I think this is one one this is another important aspect of the book uh, that uh, even though refugees live in very uh, difficult situations that they do not often not always use the ability uh, to uh, be active participants in the historical uh, uh, process. Um, I would say also that well since my book is about emigration, about out-migration, you should remember that this is also an important part of the story of migration. Uh, Debates about immigration usually focus on the what happens when people arrive to a certain place? On the acceptance of, of refugees, debates, uh, disputes regarding the uh, the arrival of refugees. But uh, my book shows that emigration was also a controversial issue. Uh, there were also debates about uh, the departure from from the country. Debates in the country of origin about the issue of emigration. Uh, so uh, in, migration is not only about immigration, not only about arrival and integration, but also uh, about the conditions, the problems, the debates surrounding the departure of individuals uh, from, their, uh, from their homes. Um, I would also say that for scholars, um, students of migration, I think it's important uh, to uh, look at various perspectives uh, when we study migration. Um, I, for, I mentioned, of course, the perspective of perspectives of migrants, uh, but we also have the perspective of the state or states of uh, NGOs, of you know, various organizations uh, working with emigrants, uh, with uh, popular opinion through, uh, uh, through the press, uh, reactions of society. So uh, I think when we study immigra- immigration, we have to um, make an effort to, uh, uh, to give expression to all those various uh, perspectives to, in order to paint a more uh, complete and richer uh, picture of, uh, of, uh, of migration.
1: As we bring our interview to a close, um, as a final question, what are you researching now as your subsequent project, having completed this book? What are you working on at the present? What do you think about working on next?
0: So now I'm I'm, I'm involved in two, uh, I started two new uh, uh, projects. Uh, One is about non-Jewish immigration to Israel, immigration immigration to Israel of non-Jews, so I'm continuing uh-huh. Uh, with my work on, on immigration. Um, Israel is considered as a country of Jewish immigration. It's not only considered, but also uh, um, in terms of its policies, it's the country of, country of Jewish immigration. So I want to look at um, um, what, what happened uh, when non-Jews uh, tried to, uh, to immigrate uh, to Israel. Uh, also published recently an article about um, about the experiences of intermarried families, uh, of Holocaust survivors, Holocaust survivors who, uh, who married uh, non-Jews after the Second World War uh, and their attempts uh, to uh, move to other destinations, to uh, settle in other, in other countries. So there were debates in Jewish organizations and Jewish communities about whether uh, the Jewish community should uh, assist uh, non-Jews uh, uh, to, to immigrate, uh, non-Jews who, 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 who were married. Uh, with Jewish uh, survivors, so this is connected to my interest in uh, non-Jewish immigration to Israel. And I'm also uh, um, in, also um, um, doing a, a project uh, on a completely different uh, different uh, topic uh, about uh, um, various questions related to terrorist attacks in Israel in the 1970s. Palestinian terrorist attacks in Israel in the 1970s. Uh, I completed uh, um, an article. Uh, that looks at the the way in which uh, terrorism in the 1970s in Israel um, was related to internal, social, ethnic, ethnic and class class conflicts uh, in Israel. And I'm I'm hoping to develop this into a larger uh, study uh, uh, on um, the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the 1970s, focusing on uh, terrorist attacks uh, that Palestinian groups uh, um, carried out in Israel. In, the, uh, in this period, the 1970s. So those are my main uh, uh, projects
1: uh, currently. They, they sound fascinating. I would love to read them when they mm-hmm. come out. They will no doubt be as erudite and as interesting as the book you have just produced. As we bring this interview to a close, I would like to thank Professor Ori Yehutai for his generosity attention and time. I'd like to remind our readers of the name of the book. The title is Leaving Zion, Jewish Immigration from Palestine and Israel After World War II. Thank you everybody for listening. This is Ari Barbalat. This has been New Books in Israel Studies. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Ari. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. I also want to commend uh, the people responsible for this project. It's a wonderful uh, project. So thank you very much. It was uh, a pleasure.